Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This week, I'm joined by a frequent guest of the show and my super awesome wife, Carly. How are you doing today, babe? I'm doing great. I kind of haven't uh, missed being on here. I know. You haven't been on here since what? Pirates of the Caribbean? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was the last one because uh, June it was DC Movies. Oh, no, 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 no. You were on here for The Dark Knight then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you haven't been on here in a, a little over a month. Hmm. Yeah, we've missed you, or at least I have. Yeah. I mean, I still get to see you sometimes, but this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we get to our main topic of the show, uh, did you watch anything interesting this week? You and I did. We watched, uh, I don't know if interesting is the word for it, hmm. but new. We saw that movie, The Old Guard, yeah. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been better with a different soundtrack. It's it is a cool idea that Charlie Theron is awesome in, but not well executed. I was not really a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. It was perfectly watchable, but I don't know that I'd go back and watch it again. No, no, they do set it up nicely for a sequel, but the action scenes are really great. But the story, I just, I, I, well, I couldn't get invested in it. Just couldn't get invested. I don't know if it's because I was distracted while I was watching it or what. I just... I mean, I was even interested in the story. There were just too many moments that took me out of it. The main thing being the soundtrack. Yeah. Like, very clubby and poppy. Right. Yeah. Which was weird for kind of the tone that the rest of the movie was in. Yeah. A little different. Hmm. Yeah. Very, very different. So, last week was a blast. I was joined by Heather Tunstall and we got to rant and rave about how ridiculously awesome and outrageous Independence Day is. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that movie really holds up to that blockbuster moniker and it, it still is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. I know guilty pleasure is a weird term, but I, I just, to me, guilty pleasure movies, I think that term applies to movies you know deep down probably aren't going to ever win an Oscar. But they're just so entertaining. That's my favorite kind of movie. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of what the movie that we're covering this this week is, is kind of the same thing. Yeah. You know, we're going to keep that, uh, be, we're going we're gonna to be keeping with that theme of, of awesome and outrageous by covering one of my favorite films growing up that also happens to feature an awesome song from Aerosmith, Armageddon. <laughs> Uh, A film directed by Michael Bay and starring Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck, Steve Buscemi, Michael Clark Duncan, ah, I miss Michael Clark Duncan, Will Patton, William Fickner, and Owen Wilson. If you aren't familiar with Armageddon, the plot synopsis reads like such according to Google. When an asteroid threatens to collide with Earth, NASA honcho Dan Truman, played by Billy Bob Thornton, determines the only way to stop it is to drill into its surface, detonate a nuclear and detonate a nuclear bomb. This leads him to renowned driller Harry Stamper, played by Bruce Willis, who agrees to helm the dangerous space mission provided he can bring along his own hotshot crew. Among them is Cocksure AJ, played by Ben Affleck, who Harry thinks isn't good enough for his daughter played by Liv Tyler, until the mission proves otherwise. This movie is as ridiculous 
as the plot synopsis makes it sound. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's definitely not a a, a super hard nose. No. Not, yeah. <laughs> not at all. Uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, and it follows zero logic. And all the characters are really just caricatures without a whole lot of depth. Although I will say they definitely have more depth than they do in Independence Day. The characters in Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, damn it. Despite all of that, this movie excels in being the most rewatchable of like that disaster porn era from like the mid to late 90s. This is definitely the most rewatchable one for me. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, it's certainly the one that we we do go back and rewatch the most often. Yeah, it's just, it's got these characters, like I said, they're kind of, you know, they're not really well fleshed out, but they're fleshed out enough to where you know what those characters are and you know what purpose they're supposed to serve, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yep. Uh, and the tropes are so recognizable that I think yeah. they work. Yeah. They, they work well because the actors' personalities shine through in the roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this movie also really has a ton of memorable scenes, a kick-ass 90s score, an all-time great song again by Aerosmith, and way more moments that I'm proud to admit that I actually cried in. Yep. <laughs> every time. Every, you know it's coming, but it still happens. Every time. Like, why? Why does it make me do It's baffling. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't understand. This is also the movie that really introduced us to what Bayham is and the style of movies Michael Bay would continue to direct, those being big budget and big explosions with people who are oddly tan and often sweaty. <laughs> so, Carly, when was the first time you saw Armageddon and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? Well, you know, I never remember the first time that I saw a movie. It's just, for some reason, can't stick that in my head. But Armageddon is one of those movies that I feel like has always been in my head. I mean, I would have been, what, about eight when it came out? Around, yeah. Yeah. Eight or seven. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's one that I think I probably saw early and it stuck with me. I remember owning the VHS of it when we were, when that was, you know, the time in our lives. And then, of course, we got the DVD shortly after it came out. Um, I remember losing the DVD probably late in high school and being super upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) As one should be. Right, of course. But now, I mean, I think I still feel the same way about it. It's it's like you said, over the top and, and corny, but it still hits all those emotional points every time. And if I need a good cry, this is the movie I can count on to... To get me there, so. Yeah, there's like two good moments in it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that'll get you. That'll get you. Whether it's a father-daughter or a father-son moment, it'll kind of get you right in the mm-hmm. right in the feels. Um, yeah, I, I... This was like the third or fourth movie I saw in theaters. I think. To my memory. To my memory. Because, again, this movie came out in the summer of 98, so I was... I was four. And the first movie I saw in theaters was Star Wars A New Hope, the re-release, Batman and Robin, of course. 
I think I saw Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> uh, and then I saw this one. Those are some eclectic tastes you got there. Very different movies. Um, and really only, I mean, two of them are really kid movies. Batman and Robin is definitely a kid movie. And, <clears throat> or at least it was made for kids. And Leave It to Beaver. Uh, well, Star Wars is too. But this is certainly not what I would call like a kid-friendly movie. But my, my parents, they, they took me to see it. It was me, I think, it was me, if obviously, both my parents, and I think Jessica was with me. I mean, it's not not kid-friendly. No, no. A kid could sit down and enjoy it. I did. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's not, you know, a Batman and Robin or Star Wars in that sense. Yeah. You know. It's goofy, but it's it's different. Um, but like I was saying, you know, I, I saw this when I was like four years old in the theater. And I remember loving it and really wanting to be as cool as AJ after I saw it. <laughs> I just automatically was like, man, I like that guy. I want to be him. <laughs> you do gravitate towards Ben Affleck. I do, I do. I like Ben Affleck a lot. Um, I then proceeded to buy the AJ Frost action figure, which they were made. I still own that, by the way. Um, and speaking of VHS copies, uh, my cousin Christina used to have the VHS copy of this movie. <laughs> and I used to beg her to, to let me borrow it, which she always would. But it was one of my, my favorite movies to watch growing up. However, my parents, like, my mom and dad liked it, but they never liked watching, like, sad movies or anything like that. Mm, yeah. So, like, it wasn't one that we owned. Um, I was also obsessed with I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith again. Like, which, by How the way. How could you not be? It still rocks. <laughs> it's still awesome. I love that song. Um... This is also my introduction to to Bruce Willis, which is an interesting time in his career, really. Um, he wasn't far off from doing The Fifth Element. This was right before he did the, uh, the big Oscar movie, uh, The Sixth Sense, which was a big Oscar movie. I got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this was really my first introduction to him uh, as an action star. Which is pretty wild. It kind of put him up there for me with like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where if any, he was in any movie, I'd I'd want to go see it. Yeah, I think that's that's true. That's true for a lot of people. And yeah. I mean this this movie was probably the first one where I started to recognize actors that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot of recognizable actors in it. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Clark Duncan, who you know. Rest in peace. Wish he was still Willis. Um, Luke Wilson, or excuse me, not Luke, but Owen Wilson's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton's in it. Liv, Liv Tyler, Will Patton, who's, you know, you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Um, who's the bad guy from Patriot? Jason Isaacs. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in this movie. Smartest man alive. Uh-huh. See, that's, I think that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that um, it's it's the one that, our family always kind of went back to and all of our you know silly jokes and stuff tend to come from it you know we sing leaving on a jet plane whenever we go on plane rides (laughs) (laughs) i think we all do now or at least i I do use that smartest man alive quote all the time yeah 
So. Smartest man alive, so you might want to listen. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's so cheesy and over the top that you can connect with it at a lot of different times during the day. And it's, it, it contains, it's nice. it contains multitudes mm-hmm. because it's cheesy. The dialogue is terrible, but like, it, it also can make you respond and have an emotional response, mm-hmm. you know, with with the with the two scenes involving, you know, the one with between Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler and and Bruce Willis. It's it 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 can hit on multiple levels, and I think that's what res- resonated with so many people. This was the highest grossing movie of nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, not surprising. Mm-hmm. Beat out, I think number two was Saving Private Ryan. Which, I mean, obviously, if you're going to tell me, hey, Ben, which one's a better movie? It's Saving Private Ryan. All day, every day. That movie's a great movie. But this is great, but for a different reason. Right. It's trying to achieve a different goal. I don't think this movie was ever trying to be anything other than just a giant, entertaining blockbuster film. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the reviews was like, I, I forget how they worded it, and I'm definitely going to poorly misquote it and, and butcher it, but it was like, this movie's awful and terrible and will do well at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it makes sense. And you know, that's that's exactly what I want out of a movie. That's that's why I go to the movies. Yeah. And sometimes that's, that's why I want to watch something. I don't always want to watch something heavy mm-hmm. you know sometimes i just want to kind of just turn my mind off and, and and laugh a little bit maybe have a good cry but not like a oh my god what is life kind of cry yeah you know um but go, going back to when you know this movie came out you know this this came out in the summer of what 98 i think it came out like june 30th or something like that 98 mm-hmm. and i didn't after the summer of 99, I didn't really watch this movie much. Like I said, my parents didn't really own this movie because my, my parents did not like to rewatch sad movies. They just didn't. Um, but I'm not saying that this movie's always sad. It's just that the ending is a little sad. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, it's about a potential ap- apocalypse. It's not exactly cheerful. No, it's it's got some he- it's got some heavy stuff in there, I guess you could say. Um <laughs> uh, but I didn't really watch this movie again, really, after the summer of 99 until I recorded it on a DVR when they had it on FX. <laughs> yeah. And we had the DVR downstairs in the, in the living room. And I would always be watching it to the point where finally my mom just got frustrated because I would always have it. I was just like, you know what? Here, I'm going to order the DVD so you don't <laughs> always watch it in the living room. Um, and you can, you know, not have to deal with the commercials and having to fast forward it right. and, and all that stuff, which is important. Um, I watch it now, though, and I, I still love it, even though it's it's dumb, ridiculous, and it's really just a, a monster imagery drink come to life. Hey, nice analogy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, also, if if you're into listening to DVD commentaries... This one is a gem, in particular because of Ben Affleck. He roasts this movie. <laughs> I'm talking, like, he just grills this movie. Like, disowns it, essentially. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny, because Michael Bay's on there. Michael Bay's trying to defend it a little bit. <laughs> he can't. <laughs> I don't know that I want to hear that, though, because in my head, still, 
Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis and Liv Tyler are all like super close in real life. I know that that's not necessarily the case. No. <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like that would ruin it for me. I feel like I, I don't want to hear uh, Ben Affleck tear apart this movie. It would take away from my childhood. <laughs> but it's so entertaining. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, God. So we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but the Rotten Tomatoes score, what do you think it is? If you had to guess. Okay, so I did see your show notes, so I know what it is. Um, But I would guess, you know, had I not seen those, probably mid-60s. Yeah, nah. No. (laughs) People are just mean. This has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't understand why that website just... It does not well, spark joy. Well, that's, that's where I'm going with it. It's that. not the website's fault. It's they just take reviews from uh, certified Rotten Tomatoes critics and gives, You're right. aggregates I'm it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I should say I don't understand why the critics on that website just have to take away things that I love. Well, I think, I mean, I can't speak for everyone. Because, you know, opinions, especially when it comes to movies, are so subjective. But this is one movie in particular where you have to go into it with the right mindset. If you have the wrong mindset, you're going to walk away not enjoying this movie. And that you're completely right in having that opinion. Because this movie, if you're judging it based, like, again on Saving Private Ryan versus this. Saving Private Ryan is a way better movie than this. I mean, I think if you're judging it on any objective criteria, like, is the science accurate? Or (laughs) are the characters original? Or is the dialogue good? Or, you know, it's gonna tank. But I feel like you know that watching the trailer. And if you're not here for the crazy, then just don't watch it. Well, honestly, I haven't seen the trailer. I mean, I've never watched a trailer for this movie. Mm. Uh, but I can... I, you know, this movie was directed by Michael Bay. His two movies before this were Bad Boys, which I don't think was necessarily a critical darling, although people love it. And it was the first, it was the one-two punch of Bad Boys Independence Day that gave us the career that Will Smith has, which is awesome. Um uh, he, then he kind of also introduced us to action star Nick Cage, the next movie, with The Rock, which is a mm-hmm. great movie. Um, but also somewhat ridiculous. Oh, it's very ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. So, uh, but this is my point. Like, you know what you're getting into when you go into Armageddon. Yeah. So if you're judging it based on any of the normal oscar-worthy criteria i think you're just shooting yourself in the foot there yeah it's definitely it's a very this movie is not scientifically accurate the characters like i said are caricatures but they're enjoyable caricatures because the the the, uh personality of the actors really shine through Mm -hmm. this is when bruce willis didn't sleepwalk through movies so it was it was great to, to see him in that role. And again, this was my first exposure to him. You know, um, when I, I think of Bruce Willis and I think of his Mount Rushmore films, you know, people can put Pulp Fiction up there. But I, when I think of Pulp Fiction, I think Samuel L. Jackson. I think John Travolta. I think Uma Thurman. 
I think Quentin Tarantino. I don't necessarily, my mind doesn't necessarily go to Bruce Willis. Mm. So that one kind of leaves his Mount Rushmore uh, of, of movies. So when I think, of, when I personally think of his Mount Rushmore movies, I think Die Hard, I think Armageddon, I think Sixth Sense, and I think Unbreakable. Solid list. I like the, it. Those are the, the movies I think of. And so, you know, t- t- to me, this, this, is, this is one of his, his better, more entertaining movies. And without this movie, and there's not a lot of people that, obviously, that loved this movie at the time, at least. But it, it's, it speaks to, I guess, someone from my generation that this is one of the first movies I saw with him, mm-hmm. you know? So it did ha- it did reach an audience, clearly. It was the highest grossing movie that year. Right. Um, the consensus of, uh, of uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score was uh, l- lovely to look look but about as intelligent as the asteroid that serves as the movie's antagonist armageddon slickly uh sums up the cinematic legacies of producer jay brockheimer and michael bay a little harsh scratch yeah that's i mean it's true michael bay his movies i contend pain and gain is actually a great movie um the Rock is very entertaining. Uh, I, I I think Bad Boys one and two are ridiculous, but also incredibly entertaining. Transformers one and three are I think very very entertaining as well. However, he did do. I also really enjoy The Island too, but he did one too many Transformers films. I think Transformers two. Four and five are awful. I forgot there was a fifth one. It's the one where Mark Wahlberg becomes a yeah. descendant of King Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not good. <laughs> Not good. But stylistically characteristic, right? He has a style. Big, like I said, big explosions. Uh, movies that are you know two plus hours long. With characters that are over dramatic, that are oddly tan and often sweaty mm-hmm. for no reason, <laughs> no reason at all. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's so. In, in essence, you don't think this score holds up at all, do you? No, I don't. No. And I think if you had to give it your own personal, from one to a hundred percent, what would it be? High 70s, low 80s. Like, I mean, from an entertaining... Because it's hard to distinguish or at least separate the fact that I used to love this movie growing up. Right, exactly. And it's... Again, I'm here for the entertainment value. You know, I usually when I want to watch a movie, this is me in relaxation mode. I don't want... A ton of deep engagement with it. I want it to be recognizable on the surface. I want to be able to tune out for a couple minutes and then come back and pick up the plot where it is. And this movie does exactly that for me. And I know that that's not what everybody looks at, looks for, for in movies, but I think, yeah, judging based just on my criteria, I think it scores pretty high there. Yeah. For me, I'd probably give it around a 70%. Like, the movie's ridiculous. It's it's absurd, but it is so entertaining. 
It gets me in the feels every time. Mm-hmm. Never fails to. And I'm very nostalgic about it. But coming from a, a critical analysis, it's, you know, the dialogue is not the strongest. The character arcs are not, you know, they're very, very cliched. The, uh, it's just, it's, it's scientifically not the most accurate movie, which again, I don't, I'm not one of those people that every, like, I, like with things that have to be historic, historically accurate, I don't care about. And it's the same way I feel about when it comes to scientifically accurate. That's why, like, I think there was a recent article where the uh, director of Ad Astra got upset because a lot of the criticisms thrown at that movie were, it's not scientifically accurate. And it's like, oh, well, if you want scientifically accurate, read a science book. Same thing, if you want historical facts, read a history book. Don't yeah. watch movies. I mean, I think that... That's not their purpose. There, there are really interesting, compelling ways to use scientific accuracy to further plot points and yeah. things like that. Um, Nolan does that a lot. A lot, you know, a lot of really gifted writers, gifted directors yeah. are able to do that. But I don't think you need to expect that from every movie. No. Especially this, which is primarily an action movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's about an act, an action movie about taking a bomb, a nuclear weapon to space, burying it in an asteroid so that it doesn't hit the earth. It's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. you're taking oil drillers to do it. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Speaking of, of, of Ben Affleck and that commentary, let's get to some fun facts. Regarding the premise, the film's premise, Ben Affleck asked director Michael Bay, and this is this is so true because I have that thought every time I watch it, wouldn't it be easier for NASA to train astronauts how to drill rather than training drillers to be astronauts? Bay told Affleck to shut up. Besides... <laughs> <laughs> the reasoning behind sending drillers rather than training astronauts is explained in the movie. They, no, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. Bruce Willis does have that line. I, I don't know that I would take it as a satisfactory explanation. It's not. And I do think it's really funny that Truman is able to like unilaterally make that decision. Yeah, he unilaterally <laughs> makes it and is just okay with it. He's just like, all right. Well, well I guess. I guess you're right, man. If, if drilling is science and it's an art, then that, that probably means the astronauts can't do it. You know, like the most highly trained humans on the planet. Yeah, people that have, you know, multiple PhDs, really, 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 really intelligent people. Well, and like physically capable people. And as physically well. capable people cannot drill. I don't know. I have. I imagine that drilling is an incredibly challenging job. It, I, I'm know, 100% certain I work certain at a university is. that gives a lot of degrees in things like petroleum engineering and stuff like that. Like, I know it's a really rigorous field and it's it intellectual is. and all that. But astronauts tend to be kind of the cream of the crop, so... <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form oil drilling is an easy job. No, I'm sure it's mentally taxing as well as physically taxing, but... There's a difference between, you know, being a NASA space pilot smart and being engineering smart. I don't know. I, I, 
I don't know about maybe, that. And I, maybe it's the same thing. You you definitely have a better grasp on that kind of stuff than I, I do. I but. don't think it's an intelligence thing. I think it's the astronauts, you know, trained to work in this particular environment. And especially something like gravity that plays such a huge role in, you know, in engineering, in the way that they operate is going to affect the work environment. So, And I think it would be harder to reorient your brain to that than it would be to learn i don't know let alone in 18 days right <laughs> we have 18 days before it hits earth yeah let alone in 18 days <laughs> well, I, think, I think i feel like it's less than that too like they also don't really account for the travel time no they find all these guys like super quickly across the country yeah and aj already has his oil rig set up and ready to go on his on his own after he gets fired he does yeah, yeah in like 72 hours that's very impressive yeah that, that is a quick startup he's man. a go-getter yeah yeah he's, he's anyway we were, we were not doing does this make sense we're doing fun facts no but i just i it's 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 my thought every time i watch the movie mm-hmm. my thought but every... I, hey they at least do attempt to address it yeah sort of <laughs> <laughs> uh NASA shows the film during their management training program. New managers are given the task of trying to spot as many errors as possible. At least 168 have been found. Nice. That's rough. (laughs) That's rough. You know, honestly, that number could have been higher. Oh, God. (laughs) God, Like, a hundred, like, that just goes to show you, because, like, I'm. I can't spot 168 errors. I just know that there's there's some some logic leaps you have to make. So that's that's ridiculous. Well, but I mean, logic leaps aren't errors. I imagine that errors have to be something more specific. Yeah. Um, Probably. Obviously, neither you nor I are in any way (laughs) trained to to identify. Probably more specific towards NASA and their protocol and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of the movie's patriotic nature of the script, um, the success of using Top Gun in 1986 as a recruitment material, the producers persuaded NASA to allow director Michael Bay and company to shoot um, in the normally restricted space space agency. This included the neutral uh, buoyancy lab, a 65 million gallon uh, and 40 foot deep pool used to train astronauts for weight uh weightlessness and the use of two 10 million spacesuits 2 million dollar spacesuits oh my goodness yeah they let them use real spacesuits yep the crew or two of them the crew was allowed to shoot in the historic launch pad that went out of service after apollo 1 disaster and part of the movie uh, were filmed at Edwards Force Base in California. Parts of the movie were filmed there. Huh. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, Bay has a, a habit of doing a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, using a lot of, like, military in his films. Yeah. He, he has a history of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, the reason he does it is because if he uses more like i think i don't know this for a fact i heard it just in passing on something that i was listening to like he uses uh military stuff because it it brings in recruits and also 
they give him like a tax incentive for it. Oh, I bet. Or something like that. Yeah. Which, I mean, that makes Any sense. Any recruitment tool, I bet would. Yeah. Although, I find it odd that NASA would have trouble with recruitment. I understand why the Air Force might. Yeah. But, I digress. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Which, in, in 1986, the, for Top Gun, the recruitment for the Air Force did skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Sure it did. Yeah. Um, speaking of Bruce Willis, this is probably the, 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 he, he won the movie in terms of like strategy because Bruce Willis came to this film after he decided, um, a comedy he was filming called Broadway Brawler could not be salvaged and sought a way to exit the project. Disney's then had John Roth or Joe Roth worked out a deal where Bruce Willis was star in Armageddon and two feature films for the studio. In exchange, Disney would absorb the failed project's cost as an advance against his initial salary. Do you know what those two films were besides Armageddon? Hmm. Bruce Willis right after Armageddon. Mm-hmm. If you had to guess... When did Unbreakable come out? 2000. Okay. That's one. So that's one. probably one. I don't know what the it's, other one it's is. It's Touchstone. What's the other one? Um, Sixth Sense. Oh, The Sixth Sense, of course. I always put that earlier in the timeline for some reason. Which, for people my age, when they think Bruce Willis, they do think, well, the guy from Die Hard. Or they think um, the guy from Sixth Sense or Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And Armageddon. And Armageddon, right. Those are usually the movies, and, you know, two of those movies, you know, are older. But mm-hmm. Sixth Sense has has ingrained itself in the pop culture zeitgeist with its, you know, I See Dead People line, Unbreakable. When it initially came out, wasn't loved as much, but in this... Well, it was loved, but not as much as The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. But now, some people prefer that to The Sixth Sense, especially in the superhero boom that we live in now movie's really a superhero film and then of course it had a pseudo sequel and split and then you know it had a full-on sequel in glass really but yeah Great trilogy yeah he definitely won <laughs> yeah that's, that's a heck of a move yeah it's a big move um as i was saying though and this is the last uh, fun fact we'll go over Armageddon grossed $553 million at the box office, making it the highest grossing film of 1998, beating out its doppelganger film, Deep Impact, which was the sixth highest grossing film that year. Uh, Deep Impact. Yes. <laughs> well, the, Hollywood has a hitch, history of doing stuff like that. Like, they'll have movies like, uh, you know, Deep Impact, Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Um, Dante's uh, Inferno, or not Dante's Inferno, but Dante's Peak and Volcano. Yeah. Uh, Thin Red Line, Saving Private Ryan, which is also the same year. Mm-hmm. Uh, White House Down, and uh, Olympus Has Fallen. You know that <laughs> those came out. Are the those same not year. in the same trilogy? No. White House Down. I always thought those were the same. No, White House Down is the film with. Uh, Channing Tatum and Jimmy Fox. Oh, yeah. And Olympus Has Fallen is Gerard Butler, mm-hmm. Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. 
And that one actually came out first. It came out, uh, I think, in March or April of 2013. And then White House Down came out in July. Mm-hmm. And a lot more people preferred, I think, uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah. Which I do. Right. But. I do think it's funny. There's that line in uh, in Friends, of course, because the, the whole era where Chandler and Monica are laying in bed and Chandler can't sleep. And he asks Monica which one is armageddon and which one is deep impact (laughs) (laughs) she says deep impact is the one with robert duvall and armageddon's what's going to happen to you if you wake me up (laughs) it sounds like something you would say to me (laughs) why do i make you sound so mean (laughs) (laughs) just kidding uh have you seen deep impact you and i saw deep impact or it was on in the background while i was working or something recently and that was the only time i saw it so i haven't seen the whole thing um, but I do remember some scenes from it. As a whole, I would say it is a better movie than, than Armageddon. However, more entertaining movie and more nostalgic movie, to me, it is not. Yeah. I, I, I prefer Armageddon in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Both, I still enjoy, I still enjoy both films. But if you're going to ask me to choose which one to watch, I'm, I'm probably going to choose Armageddon, which makes sense you know beat it at the box office both were were pretty big hits though yeah 1908 was a strange year looking at the what the top 10 movies at the box office were it's pretty wild very actor and star driven which isn't necessarily the case for today it's more uh property driven yeah yeah all right before we get to our award section we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor and we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor over here at the Ben Davis Movie Podcast. We really appreciate that. But we are moving on to our award section. Uh, we're going to start off with favorite scenes and moments. I have like 13 scenes listed here. <laughs> um, so first scene I have here is Carl and his wife's exchange. Yes. Classic. <laughs> get my phone book, will you? Get this. Get my phone book. Get those. Uh, the the phone. Those guys from NASA. Am I wearing a sign that says Carl Slave? Go get my goddamn phone book. <laughs> it's like so over the top and ridiculous, and it is the. It perfectly lets you into the type of characters Michael Bay just loves to to make. Yep. They're dumb. They're stupid. They're insufferable and very offensive, but <laughs> well, that, and when when Carl's on the phone with Truman a couple minutes later, and yeah. I want to name her Dottie after my wife. She's, She's a, a vicious, life sucking bitch from which there is no escape. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton just goes, "That's nice, Carl. That, that's sweet, Carl. That's sweet, Carl. Yeah." <laughs> Well, her reaction is just priceless, too. She just flicks him off. <laughs> well, because she's kind of, like, touched. And then he says the second part, and she's like, ah, screw you. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I love them. I will aspire forever to be Dottie. Oh, God. I don't aspire to be Carl at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, so next scene I have here is the meteor shower over New York City. Oh, yeah. You know, say what you will about Michael Bay and his direction style, but that dude can direct the hell out of an action set piece. You know, he just, 
it's very harrowing and howling, howling, harrowing, harrowing. Thank you, thank uh-huh. you. And sets the tone for for the whole movie. And and the final shot of the the twin towers kind of yeah, it hits different now. I mean, that always shocks me because you just think of what the casualties are in the movie. Yeah, they're really in all the meteor shower scenes. Yeah, especially the one that happens in Paris. Paris, right? That's like millions of people dead. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and it well, it shows you the blend too because you autom- you you're going from a comedy exchange with Eddie Eddie Griffin talking mm-hmm. to the, uh, the 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 guy who's selling Godzilla product on the street mm-hmm. to all of a sudden you get sucked into this you know action set piece. Yeah, and again, Michael Bay just doing what he does best: slow motion action set pieces. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty great, great and grand. Um, next scene I have is the introduction of Harry, AJ, and Grace. Oh, Lord. So <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> well, the most ridiculous thing about it, like, it starts off, obviously, you have Harry hitting golf balls at the protesters, mm-hmm. which lets you into the, the kind of character that he is. Yeah. You know, kind of a, a roughneck kind of guy. Um... Uh, who donates to Greenpeace though? So he's he, he's uh yeah interesting. He he donated how much money? Three like million, I don't remember. It was, it was millions, a lot. Yeah, it was millions of dollars to Greenpeace. But uh, also hits golf balls at them. But, so yeah, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's an oxymoron. It's pretty funny. Um, but the thing that always baffles me about this scene, well, there's there's a lot that baffles me about it. But the thing in particular, when Harry finds aj and aj is very apologetic and then he sees his daughter in the bed there's only one female on that when he sees the bra and he pulls down the i would she's a grown woman at that point i would be out of there i wouldn't want to be anywhere near that yeah i i don't know like that is that is a super awkward move because she's she's at least 25 right like at that point Make your own decisions. I mean, unless he thought that AJ, like, snuck a girl on the rig or something. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm just talking about the way that he reacts to Liv Tyler in general. Mm-hmm. To, to Grace in general. Like, as a father. It's, it's a little weird. Yeah. Because she's, again, she's like 25, 24. She's making her own decisions at that point. She doesn't live under your roof. Like... Which she kind of does. She does. But... Again, she's her own woman. She can make her own decisions about who she wants to, to to be with. You would think. And that's what all the other characters try to tell Harry, but Yeah. Overprotective father. Yeah. <laughs> in a in a yeah, unacceptable kind of way. But the most ridiculous thing is of course him taking the shotgun to AJ. <laughs> now he's clearly just I'm, I'm temporarily insane, Rock, it's alright. And now he's clearly just messing with him. Mm-hmm. But still Well, I don't he he actually shoots, and he gets him. Well, he shoots up top, and then a ricochet gets him in the leg. But still. Barely. Like, barely gets him in the okay, leg. Okay, but I feel like and there's he's... not a huge distinction between barely being shot in the leg and being shot in the leg, you know? Well, not to AJ, no. He seemed pretty upset about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and understandably. <laughs> Again, it also lets you in. This movie's ridiculous. 
it lets you into the, the ridiculousness of the characters and how they, they're going to be very over the top mm-hmm. the entire movie. Yeah. And this is a very over-the-top scene and a very over-the-top exchange from a very overprotective. It's those very tried-and-true tropes, mm-hmm. you know. But I just, I really enjoy the scene. It's also one of the, for some reason, that's like, again, four years old. You're probably not going to remember much around that time. But that's one of the scenes where I do dis- distinctly remember watching that in the theater Seeing AJ almost get shot. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I just remember watching that going, what in the world is this? This is wild. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right, next scene I have up here is the NASA meeting with Jason Isaac's character. Oh my God, it's awesome. Yeah. But before but before this scene, there is something that happens. It's like a cutaway. It's like, it's a it's a cutaway in, in, the, in the movie where... Where one of the NASA instructors goes, uh, the solar winds will be caught by the mylar sails. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. Just that whole thing where anything you've scribbled on the back of a napkin or whatever, and then some of us have got this idea. We want to land a craft, and then you see the big blanket <laughs> yeah. going and everything. Oh, oh, God. It's really funny, but that's the, the little cutaway before... The actual scene that I'm talking about uh, with Jason Isaac, which is where he comes in. He's the smartest man in the world. Mm -hmm. He has his whole spiel. I put this in here specifically for you because I know you love this scene. I do. Just, I mean, his his whole character in this movie, and I do have some trouble differentiating his lines, you know, into specific scenes. But I love the, I know the president's chief scientific advisor. We were at MIT together. In this situation, you really don't want to take the advice of a man who got a C minus in astrophysics. Just burn. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a big burn, mm-hmm. and the way that he speaks it, it's it's you. The movie is absurd. And the plan that he goes over is absolutely absurd. But yeah. the way that Jason Isaac delivers the line. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'm on board with it. You probably are the smartest man on the planet. Okay, yep, I'm yep. here for it. I'm uh, okay. I'm I'm hearing you. I'm listening to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I I'm I'm on board. I'll follow you to death. <laughs> you I just, just you're on like, board with it. And like you said, the smartest man on the planet line. The way Truman introduces him is just so characteristic of this movie. Like every time we meet somebody new, there's some character to be like, this is their role. Like when we see Grace. Harry goes, I have asked you repeatedly to call me dad. And like, oh, that's his daughter. And then, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is the smartest man on the planet. We should listen to him. Yeah, it's very, okay, let's go ahead and tell exposition. Let's tell you what this character is so you can kind of get a form mm-hmm. idea in your head of who he is, who and what they are. Yeah. Uh, next scene I have on here is the montage of getting the crew together. <laughs> yeah. I love this. It is. It's awesome. I love this. Because it's, it's funny. You know, you have Michael Clark Duncan riding the Harley going, come and get Papa Bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. Just some big dude riding a motorcycle. Um, and again, real, With the fringe coming off heavy. of Yeah. You, you find out Owen Wilson is actually brilliant, but he's spacey. Mm-hmm. Also a, a Star Wars fan. Yep. <laughs> um you find out about uh, Rockhound and why they call him Rockhound. Yeah. Well, he's horny. Uh, 
Which, going to Rockhound, that character's a bit sketchy. There are at least three or four different times in this movie where he has jokes about, I swear to God, I didn't know her age. How old are you? Those kind of comments. Mm -hmm. You're like, ooh, this guy's kind of creepy. Yeah, probably not okay. Probably not okay. Probably not okay. Um... It's just really, really funny. And plus, of course, there's, you know, Come Together by Aerosmith playing in the <laughs> in the background. This Aerosmith did the entire soundtrack to this movie, which is fitting yeah. of Tyler as his daughter. So, pretty crazy. Um, the, the, request, the request scene. Are you fami- you're familiar the with that? request scene. Yes. The, the request, the oh, demands oh, yeah, that they yeah, have, the if they're gonna, <laughs> yeah, if they're gonna help, and I and I have them them listed here. Uh, the if scene, you're gonna save the world, just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah, if they're gonna save the world, this is what they need. Owen Wilson's character needed fifty six uh, tickets in seven states removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the characters' name. Or I don't remember the character's name, but one of the characters wants two women made U.S. citizens, no questions asked. Noonan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bring back A-track tapes. <laughs> uh, Michael Clark Duncan's character wants a full week's Emperor Pat, or not Michael Clark Duncan's character, but uh, Will Patton's character. Chick, yeah. yeah. Wants a uh, Emperor's package in Vegas. Um. They also want to f- figure out who killed JFK. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis' reaction to that is also funny. He kind of looks at him and like, can you tell us who killed JFK? Yeah. <laughs> or, no, you can't. He can't. Okay. Shakes his head. He's like, okay. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan wants to stay at the, he goes, White Horse? He's like, White House. White <laughs> House. And the Lincoln bedroom. And then they don't want to pay taxes. Ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll be able to take care of some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, like, the demands for saving the world, that's not awful. Like, I could think of worse things. And I think that's the point. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and I don't think most people in that situation would, would be like, okay, well, I have, I have criteria that you have to meet first. But, yeah, it just, again, it gives you more insight into their characters, and, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Um... Harry and Grace's meeting at the Apollo One pad. Yeah. It's it's a pretty emotional scene. It is. Uh, because that's the last time, of course, they, they meet in person and, you know, he makes a promise that he'll come back. And mm-hmm. it's very Americana in the way that it's done and over the top, of course, with the jets flying in the background, the score. Yeah. You know, that... Traditional. But, it, but it does. It's it's the moment where we really see them connect as father and daughter. Where, you know, previously in the movie she's been kind of contentious. Uh, or, you know, not really open to having much of a relationship with him. And then in that scene, they really they really have a bonding moment. Yeah, that's pretty special. We've mentioned it before. Leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> I just love that scene. It's so cute. And it's... It's very much something I would do. <laughs> it is something you would do. And it's, you know, you kind of have that they're, the, the NASA people feel like they're not taking it seriously, but really you can see, like, this is what they're fighting for kind of thing. Yeah. 
it, they they're taking it seriously, but th- they they want to in, at least you know enjoy the time that they may or may not have, mm-hmm. you know. And you can tell that AJ really does love um, Grace. Yeah, and they're trying to they're they're trying to carry that over. It's it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, another not so sweet scene. But even though it even though it's not sweet, it's still really good. The crashing of the freedom ship. Yeah, it's very well done. It's very dramatic. The way that uh, there's something about Owen Wilson's death in that scene that just gets me. It makes me it makes me almost tear up. It's because he just goes, "Uh oh!" Like before he dies, because mm-hmm. he can't get his helmet on, and no one's like Ben Affleck and everyone else is already down in the in the bottom of the ship, and he just can't get his helmet on. It's like why can't someone just help him real quick? You yeah. know. Like it just it, it it makes me just very upset, very upset. It is, but it's a very well done action set piece. Well, and they've done the work so far in the movie to see that all of these people are like a family. They spend all this time together. They're really close. So all of the deaths really mean something to you there. Yeah, it, it's and they they start biting the dust pretty quickly mm-hmm. as soon as they get to space. Um, again, who could have foreseen that? I know, and right? People with no space training going into space. Ben Affleck was right. Um, Henry, Henry, or not Henry, but Harry and Colonel Sharp defused the the nuke. This scene is actually pretty, uh, pretty intense. Intense in like an absurd, laughable way. Yeah, like really, this is what we're worried about in this context he gets that gun out from like where there's just this random safe with one gun with one clip in it and an instruction card yeah don't forget about the instruction card and the instruction card and like the you swear on your daughter's life that you can make that mark i will make 800 feet i swear to god i will (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so like and then they do the man handshake after. Mm-hmm. But what I was talking about, like, being intense, it wasn't necessarily the build-up to that. It's the act of it. Yeah. And the ticking clock and the going back and forth. Are they going to defuse the nu- nuke or not? And it's, like, the last three, down to the last three seconds. It's very well acted by William Fickner. It is. So I, I just really... I've seen the movie a thousand times. The scene makes still makes me tense. But so. again... We're doing the back and forth debate of can you make 800 feet and do you swear? Yeah. And there's a there's a literal clock on a nuclear bomb ticking, ticking seven clock. inches from your face. Yeah, and you want to have this conversation? You want to you want to do the man handshake or would those extra four seconds maybe be valuable? Well, that that man handshake meant a lot to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, next scene I have here is AJ hitting the depth. That's what she said. Yes. <laughs> I think that there's all... Although, that always bothers me. That's one of those things in the movie that stands out. Because, really, when you have a nuke in an asteroid... I, I don't know the science here, but I'm very curious as to whether there's a substantive difference between um, 798 feet and 800 feet. Like... I don't, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> He's just, they're all like, 797, come on, like, can, we can make it three more feet. Like, do you need three more feet, though? It's a nuke. Like, uh, I have questions. Yeah. But it's it's crazy how fast that he hits the depth, though, because... Well, it's AJ, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> but it's... 
I'm sorry, I can't. No, that was perfect. Um, but like, for some reason, like uh, Max has just died. Obviously, the armadillo two comes swooping in to save the day. Mm-hmm. He hits it very quick. It's you know calling back to the scene when they were you know in in the 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 depth tank or whatever the the mm-hmm. weightless tank where. They're drilling, and he's saying, oh, the machines are wrong, and you know it. You know it. Right. And finally, Harry puts faith in him over the machine, and Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, he finally gets his due. So it's like, oh, cool. cool, Yeah. Cool for AJ. It's it's, it's a cool, satisfying sequence, not only for the, the fact that they finally hit the depth after, you know, failing and almost failing. Like, the mission's been pretty much a failure up to this point. Right. You know, largely. Um, so it's a pretty cool scene. All right, so now I'm coming to like the two most emotional sequences in the film. <clears throat> Those being Harry deciding to set the bomb in place of AJ. So they draw straws, and AJ pulls out the smallest one, and you know puts a brave face on. He's like, you know, we all have to die. You know, at least I do it to save in the world. Mm-hmm. And he does this whole spiel going down the hair. You like even I knew when I was a right. kid. I was like, uh, Harry's not gonna let him die. There ain't no way. Mm-hmm. And you like they foreshadow it pretty heavy. Right. Like, Harry's like, all right, I'll go down there with him. I'll walk him out there. Mm-hmm. And then he do, he obviously the 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 camera pans to him looking at um, AJ. And he's like, you know, I want you to tell Grace that I'll always be with her. He's like, okay, I'll tell her. I'll tell sure, her. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he pulls his like oxygen cord, pushes him back in, rips off his tag and says, give this to Truman, make sure Truman gets that. Mm-hmm. And then gives him the whole spiel of, you know, I'd be honored to have you marry Grace. I've always thought of you as a son, and I'd be damn proud to have you marry Grace. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, Harry, don't go, I love you, no. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's good acting. It's good. It's good. And then, but... And I swear to God, I never noticed this until I think I was watching it with with Chris, my brother. And as the elevator's going up, he says, bye, goodbye, son. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Chris told me, he says, no, he doesn't. He's like, rewind it. Rewound it and I heard it. And I was like, oh, no. So, okay, here's the thing. There's Right in the feels. The science fiction author, Orson Scott Card, the guy that wrote Ender's Game, problematic guy in a lot of ways but um he's got this line in one of the uh the under shadowed books where one of the characters is watching a play and they're talking about how a computer could have written this play it's uh you know it it plays on kind of basic human fears or i think they say uh traditional enemies and it has these kind of tropes going on. And I, I always feel that way about these scenes in Armageddon. Like, a computer could write them. You have the father-son moment and the take care of my daughter now and the the mantle is yours now, kid. You're going to take care of my little girl now. Right, that's yeah. your job. <laughs> and it's, it is. It's very, like, by the book, how to create emotions. And it works every darn time. Every time. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. It works. The next scene I have here is, of course, the scene that everyone remembers from mm-hmm. this movie. The final conversation between Harry and and, and Grace. Yep. Slash Harry saving the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very emotional. It is. 
I cry every time. You know, it's them finally embracing, you know, I am like you. I've mm-hmm. always, everything that's good about me is, is, is you. Because mm-hmm. you. And it's like, oh, God. Why are you doing this to me, Michael Bay? <laughs> why do you? I know I promised I'd be coming home, but yeah. I have to break that promise. It's very, yeah. dad goes to war kind of thing. Yeah. And the score, you know, set the tone. And then, of course, the one tear from, from Harry. Mm-hmm. He goes, I look down on you from time to time. Gotta go now, Gracie. Right. Yeah. I'm like tearing up just talking about it. It's, yeah. I don't know what no, it is about no, that Dad, scene. No. And she puts her hand her on her. Begging the, the static screen to stay with her. As just... the camera pans back. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's 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 cheesy and ridiculous. It is. And it's so emotionally manipulative. So effective. But it's so effective. <laughs> it's so effective. Damn you, Michael Bay. <laughs> of course, his last line when he finally pulls off is, you know, we win, Gracie. Mm-hmm. It's... And what I've always appreciated about that scene is when everyone's cheering, Billy Bob Thornton looks up to her as she's looking out on the NASA crew, and then he goes up to her, he's standing beside her, and she just grabs him and hugs Because you got to imagine, that is a conflicting emotion. Right. Like, you're safe now. You're safe. Mm-hmm. But your father had to die. Right. To, to give up his, his life. He, had to, he sacrificed himself for the world. Right. And, it's and like, you're proud of him. And, and you're proud that. of him, but you're also, you've lost him. Mm-hmm. Never get to see see him again. And it's, ugh, it, it hits. Yeah. It hits. Gutting. Yeah. Very, very gutting. Uh, the last thing that I have listed is, it's, it's more of a moment than a scene, but it's the last line from William Fickner's character. And it's uh, his line of, Miss Stamper, uh, Colonel w- Willie Sharp, United States Air Force, ma'am, requesting permission to shake the ha- the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met, and it's like oh. another gut punch. Yeah, like just it makes me tear up. Yeah, it think, does. Like it's it's very very emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can see I've, I've kind of got the tears in my eyes. So yeah, a little catch in my voice right now. I have the lump in my throat. It's... I'd like to be embarrassed by it, but I mean, you can't. Nobody can watch that and not get that reaction. You can't feel. I those. don't care how like snobby you are about. Oh, it's not well done, and the dialogue is cheesy. No, if you are not crying at the end of that movie, you are a monster. Yeah, it's 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 very very emotional. Mm-hmm. It's very very emotional. So, out of all those scenes, which one is your favorite? Ooh. I, I don't know. I think AJ saves the day is probably my favorite. AJ saving the day? Yeah. Yeah, hitting hitting the depth. Mm-hmm. Is it because of, of your joke? <laughs> <laughs> no, because of my joke. I mean, like you want to save one of the the really emotional ones at the end, but they're just they're it's it's like the Sarah McLaughlin commercials with the crying puppies. Like it's just I <laughs> playing in the arms of an angel. Yes, in the arms yes. of angels. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Um. What do you think? For me, it, it it is one of those scenes. It's 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 one of those scenes. It's the it's the the one between Harry and uh, AJ. Yeah, I knew you were gonna get that one. Yeah, I'm okay with it. The one between Harry and AJ. Mm-hmm. It it gets me in the feels every time. Even as a four year old kid, I didn't really cry in movies then, but like it made me choke up. I remember seeing my dad cry in that part. How could you not? Yeah. Everybody cries. My dad's a big softy though. He cries in Sweet Home <laughs> Alabama. 
which part? I can kiss you anytime I want. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. But it can all be good. So we got to move on to our least favorite moments and scenes. Okay. Uh, number one here I have listed. The guy running in the facility giving the update to NASA. Yeah. I hate that. He's, he's kind of crazy. <laughs> I hate that. Like, that's such a stereotype of... Uh, Movies like this, there's always that guy frantically running, hyped up on caffeine, saying, We'd have such and such time until the asteroid hits Earth. Oh my god. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Two days before, the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate that trope. Every time Grace calls Harry Harry. Because it's not the fact that she calls Harry Harry, like, she should call her dad dad. It's not that. It's the weirdness in which she calls him Harry. Like, you don't see me having a conversation with you going, Yes, Carly. That's very good, Carly. I really appreciate that, Carly. Oh, Carly, that food was great, Carly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly in which the cadence and the way that she says it. Well, I think she's doing it, though, because it rubs him the wrong way. You know, he's asked her repeatedly to call him dad. It's the way in which she's (laughs) doing it, though. It's like, ugh. Like... I get the why, like, she's doing it to get under his skin, but it's also, like, the way in which you're doing it is not natural. Yeah. So it's just, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. Rockhound and his weird thing with underage girls. Yeah, just gross. Yeah. Swear to God, Harry, she never told me her age. Nope. When the, when the copter gets there, and then when the FBI gets him, when he asks the girl, how old are you? And then a, he does it several more times after the fact. But yeah. It's just... It has an age I don't think well. we need to say a lot about that. That's just no. not okay. Uh, we've kind of hit on this already, but the way Harry convinces Dan to let him have his own men to drill. Yeah, it takes like seven seconds. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Sure, and I trust Herman's you. And just able to be like, yes, I don't need to take this to a committee or anybody else. It's only the fate of the world. Why shouldn't I get to decide? Yeah, I make this decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry spraying, uh, or, or, or not Harry spraying, Jesus, that'd be weird. <laughs> Harry spying on his grown <laughs> ass daughter. Harry spraying on his grown ass <laughs> Yeah, I read that wrong. No, Harry, uh, spying on his grown ass daughter with AJ. Yeah, that's weird. That's creepy. I won't want to see that. I think he leaves. He does, but it's like, I don't, I don't yeah, want to be there for that's that. Weird. I don't want to be there for that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that. Uh, the Animal Crackers. Oh, Animal Cracker Discovery Channel or Discovery Planet or whatever. <laughs> that is so awkward. It's so awkward. That might be one of my least favorite scenes in any movie ever. And you have the acoustic of I Don't Want to Miss a Thing in the mm-hmm. background, which is weirder because it's Liv Tyler's real life dad. Yeah. And it's like, ah, uh, I don't want to, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't like so- this. No, that whole scene just needs to go. Yeah, it it needs to go. It was mm-hmm. it was on the soundtrack for the movie. That whole scene. Yeah, I know. I can't. Who would want to listen to that? I don't know. Not me. Uh, Not me. Deeply uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. The Russian space station guy. Uh, I love Lev him. Enderpov in general. I just pay, played by Peter uh, Stormare. Uh, I. I, no. I love him. The Russian space station. 
I can't do a Russian accent, but it was ridiculous. He gives, we didn't cover this line, but the, uh, we're talking about his uncle, the genius of his family. He invented the thing on the bomb that finds, you know, New York or Washington. (laughs) I wrote that in my notes while I was watching the movie. I was like, so they were going to bomb New York and Washington? (laughs) Well, but the AJ and Rocka just look at each other and just go, (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, you know? and they're just like, "What?" <laughs> Yikes! Uh, and jumping of the armadillo—it's so implausible, even in this movie. Even in this movie. Yeah, I don't know about that. Have you ever heard of Evil Knievel? I've never seen Star Wars. It's <laughs> the second Star Wars reference in the movie. I mean, you have to have Star Wars references in that movie. Yeah, but. I don't know. Is it impossible? I don't know how how gravity works on asteroids that are hurtling towards Earth. I don't either, but it just seems like really implausible. Yeah, probably. Uh, so out of all those, which one's your favorite? I know what mine is, but... You mean least favorite? Yeah. Oh, the animal crackers. Yeah, animal crackers. Nope. Yeah. That's something like that will pop into my head throughout the day and just make me uncomfortable even when I'm not watching the movie. Like it's <laughs> it's such a bad scene, you know. It's like uh, that Family Guy song, uh, "Bird, Bird, Bird, Bird is the Word." Yes, it's yeah. just like that. Yeah, get stuck in your head. Best performance, who you got? Oh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. I could be talked into Ben Affleck fairly easily, though. I'm going Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, he is really good, too. Yeah. Billy, well, the reason I'm going Billy Bob Thornton is just because out of all the characters, he seems the, the, the more grounded, the more... That's true. Yeah. The more relatable, and his performance is just very, very good, despite the movie being so grand and over the top. You buy into a lot of the movie because of his performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's... he's He's very good. He also gets the only F-bomb in this movie. Yeah, and that always seemed forced to me. Well, it's in the heat of the moment. He's very upset. And it makes sense. Because, you know, Grace is like, That's my father up there. Yeah. This is the wrong decision you shouldn't follow, and you effing know it! Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it, I mean, I would be mad, too. I mean, I would, too, but just the delivery of that line always seemed forced to me. Yeah. So, I'm going Billy Bob. Who you okay. got? Who you got? I think I'm. I think I'm going Harry Stamper, Bruce Willis. Is there a reason behind that? Or no, just... I just want to. <laughs> you just want to give it to Bruce. I do. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll move on to the "Does this make sense?" category. The opening with the big explosion in space, because you know every other explosion, and also every other explosion in space. There's no such thing as explosions in space like that. I don't know what to tell you, babe. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't. Yeah. I find it confusing. It's very confusing. Uh, how the heck did Eddie Griffin and his dog survive that meteor? <laughs> and why does the dog's leash get like 17 times longer? Right? It was it was like a six foot leash that before, and then it becomes like a 30 foot leash when he falls in the hole. That poor dog. I know. It's so, so pitiful. Little Reggie. No. I'm coming, little Reggie. <laughs> you just hear that. <laughs> it's pitiful. A global killer? Shouldn't we have seen this coming beforehand? Well, 
Tunis is a big ass guy. <laughs> <laughs> Quoting the movie itself. <laughs> I mean, they they do. They explain it. They do. And I don't think that that's inaccurate. They do. I don't. I I don't think that we are able to track the whole sky, but I could be a hundred percent wrong there. But that just seems implausible to me that something so big would not pop up on the radar within eighteen days. You know what I mean? But but again, I don't think we have. Would it? It wouldn't. What's the? I can't. I can't math. Seven hundred and twenty degree yeah. surveillance of the Earth. Yeah. I don't think we have that, and it's. I mean, it's big enough to be a global killer, but it's only the size of Texas. Although they do track asteroids and their trajectories, mm-hmm. like there's that one that could have potentially hit in what twenty twenty seven or something like that, twenty twenty six. Yeah. So they track it pretty far out. Mm-hmm. Or so we hope. Yeah. How would NASA do a poor job following a drill design? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't buy that. Unless it was poorly written. You know, technical communication is important. Oh. Oh, hey yo. Only someone knew something in this room about technical <laughs> communication. You know, someone studied for like eight years to, to be so good at that. Why would Dan Truman just be like, okay, boss, when it comes to Harry dem- <laughs> Harry's demands? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's it's absurd. Again, this movie's absurd. Mm-hmm. Take a shot every time I say that. You'll be drunk by the end of this. In no way would it be easier to train oil drillers to go to space than to train astronauts how to drill. Again, I don't, I don't. I don't feel like this is an experiment that has been fully tried and tested. No, we need a group of oil drillers. Actually, we need two groups of oil drillers and two groups of astronauts. Yeah. So, until then, we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Is AJ Bear and Lev surviving the crash of the Freedom viable? I don't know. I'm gonna go with a no on that one. I think they're toast. I mean, AJ and Lev were in the cargo hold, right? They were. I don't know why that would be better. And Bear was too. Oh, was he? I believe so. Why does the armadillo have a Gatlin gun on it? (laughs) Such a good question. Why? Why is there a machine gun on it? Why would you need it? You're in space. Are you expecting coming upon aliens or something? hordes of them. Hordes of them? Like a lot of them? Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Again, we've kind of already touched on this, but why why is there a random gun in the safe with no rounds other than the ones that are loaded in it in space? It's stupid. Yeah. Just to add dramatic effect, I guess. Jumping of the armadillo, which we've kind of already covered. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's stupid. And the whole plan in general. The whole plan is is whack. Yeah, probably. Yeah. The whole plan is is weird. Alrighty, so out of all those scenes, which one do you think is the biggest error? Error. I don't know. I mean, because you have to, like, take things within the logic of the movie. Yeah. Right? Um... And I feel like if you're going to pull on one of those threads, you got to pull on all of them. And it just, 
The only thing that in context really doesn't make sense, I think, is the Gatling gun on the armadillo. Yeah, that that one doesn't make sense. Like, there's not even a pretend reason for that. It's just... <laughs> Guns in space. Yeah. Yeah, that's really all it is. Uh, to me, it's it's Dan Truman and him just being like, okay, boss, with all of Harry's demands. Yeah. But, I mean, they called all these all these people, and every time they recommended the same guy, and... <laughs> it's obviously that means harry's the only guy on the planet that would be able to do this yeah but even then you're the boss you know not harry yeah, I don't know. yeah i'd go with that so carly at the end of the day why would you recommend this movie i would recommend this movie because it just like like we've been saying it hits all those emotional points you don't have to pay a lot of attention to it in fact you probably shouldn't right it's it's a Kind of a, a, just a fun watch. Um, but it has all those emotional highs and lows. It's it's a very um, kind of a, a human story, right? It gets you, you know, it's, it's just a good kind of midsummer. Don't want to do any, not midsummer the movie, midsummer like, <laughs> time period. Yeah. You know, just, just a relaxing 4th of July kind of feel movie. Yeah. It. It, it is. It carries that theme of this month with 4th of July movie. It's big. It's dumb. It's fun. It hits all the emotional beats. You don't have to do a lot of whole, a whole lot of thinking. In fact, I ask you not to, to mm-hmm. watch this movie. You know, it, it it's just there to be entertaining. And that's why I, I think I would recommend this movie. Yep. It's a fun, really fun watch, you know. And it again, it has those emotional beats, too, that, that make it better than some movies that are in that same vein mm-hmm. that came out around that same time. In fact, I think I'd like this. I like this movie better than Independence Day. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many times you watch it. Those those beats will still hit every time. Every time. But that is all for this week's show, Carly. Thank you so much, uh, as always, for coming on and putting up with my nonsense on the reg. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of I course. love your nonsense. Of course. I love your nonsense, oh. which you don't have nonsense. We're gross. I know. Um, you'll be back in a few weeks to discuss the replacements with me, which I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to know what you think about that, because you're mm-hmm. typically not the biggest fan of the of the, the sports ball. I do not do sports balls, no. No. Mm-hmm. Maybe replacement sports balls. <laughs> but um shh, here all week yeah um i'll be back next week uh to keep with our theme of july 4th movies discussing captain america the first avenger with my brother chris davis which will be my first marvel film too oh exciting yeah i'm very excited uh until then be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can keep up to date with all the latest content and if you feel up to it leave us a review it helps us out a great deal um, you can also follow me over at Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I post reviews for newer releases from time to time. Anyway, guys, till next time, stay classy.